What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Modern Day Marketer. I'm your host, Vice President of Marketing at The Juice, Brett McGrath, and excited to be sharing with you today's topic, which is leading a marketing team through change and telling great stories along the way. I have Chief Marketing Officer Ed Briall of Aprimo on the program today. He has been with the business through so many changes. So many changes. You're going to want to tune in because if you are a fan of change, I know most people aren't, but if you're a fan or maybe even undergoing change yourself with inside your business, you're going to want to get his feedback. He has a consultant background and he has taken that to build a career at a primo that has landed him as a chief marketing officer. We hit a lot of different topics, but I love his passion for storytelling. We all need to be telling great stories. You hear that? Just a reminder, you're going to hear it more from Ed. If you like what I'm doing over here, follow, subscribe. Subscribe to the Modern Day Marketer newsletter. It's going to hit your inbox. It's a companion piece every Friday. The link is in the show notes. We'd love to have you sign up. Now, without further ado, let's kick it to the conversation. What's up, everyone? Always excited to have conversations with CMOs. Uh, we've been doing that more and more here on Modern Day Marketer. Always feel inspired and uh, learn a lot. And today we are joined by Ed Briald, who's the Chief Marketing Officer at Aprimo. He's also the host of Marketing Cheat Codes podcast, which I think is super cool. And I always love to see the CMO role in the content creation mode. So today we're going to be talking about leading a marketing team through change and telling stories. But without further ado, Ed, I know you've been a busy guy the last couple of days. Uh, how are you? Brett, thank you for having me on. Doing well. Yeah, busy is definitely busy and fast and furious and all those things. I'd love to maybe just start with, uh, we had to reschedule this um, because there were some things that popped up and I think it's exciting and definitely a trend we're spotting more and more in marketing, but maybe share a little perspective on your news at a primo and something you all are have shared over the last uh, day or so. Yeah, absolutely. So we were just, we had to, we had to bump this. A primo just launched uh, a market announcement for our integration with OpenAI's chat GPT capabilities. And I've been, uh, so big market news, right? So a lot of us as marketers, myself, when uh, it first hit the scene, you know, we've been looking at in seeing generative AI capabilities for you know for for years, and now that generative AI and Chat GPT specifically has been like democratized down into all of us, it sparked a lot of questions and opportunity. And we at Primo we saw it as as an amazing opportunity to bring that that capability right into the platform. So yeah, we we launched that announcement yesterday and I've been able to see the behind the scenes of what our Primo Labs teams have been cooking up and it is it is like where's that emoji with the brain like exploding. It is like wow, like very very exciting. And so yeah, our first put our first capabilities out there in market so our customers will get that uh, if they want it, they can they can activate it with just the the flip of a, a switch to turn it on. Super exciting time. I have to ask, because I feel like generative AI certainly has become, uh, it's been a tidal wave. And especially when I talk to people and it's a topic, 
I always want to kind of dig in and, and learn a little bit, a little bit more, but what was the, it has been around for a little while, but really over the last six months, it seems like when you pull open your LinkedIn feed, it's one of those things that everyone's talking about it. What was kind of the inflection point at a Primo when, when you all were like, all right, this is something that we ought not only want to be a part of, but this is something that we want to offer to our customers. It's a total fit to our strategy. And I know you want we want to talk about potentially a, a primo and launching it and going back like seven years, going on seven years, six and a half years when we relaunched in the market. But we going back to our strategic long range plan, it's always been about we moved from um, I'll call it data, data being the unit that needed to be managed to content being the unit that needed to be managed. Mm-hmm. Therefore, we went back out into market. We put content at the center and there's like this framework and and I applied it from the era of like big data. It was volume, variety, velocity, veracity of data, all those things. And I took that same formula and I applied it to content, volume of content, variety of content, velocity of content, veracity, the truth in content. And that is, I'll call it core to our strategy, core to us, you know, providing capabilities to market. And when these large language models have got to a place of being commercially viable and able to be um, harnessed in a way that is, I'll call it accountable, or what's the phrase from uh, Spider-Man with, with great power comes great responsibility. Responsibility, yeah. And so we found that we're able to have responsible AI uh, we partner with Microsoft on that uh, as well. Responsible, that's always been part of it. We've, If we're going to do this, we've got to remain responsible. It got to that point when you know, we had been testing it in the lab and we've it finally got to be, I'll call it commercially viable. And we've just been rocking and rolling with the use cases and being like super intimate with the day-to-day of a marketer, of a content creator, designers, the, the folks that use content every day. And got to see how this would create great utility within you know our platform which is digital asset management uh, content operations you've got lots of different folks using it and then if you can start to use that word dem- democratize again democratize design capabilities democratize brainstorming early stage ideation of content you know, do things like my team actually uses this um daily now, which is um, when we we do market testing for, and we need to create variants of subject lines or body copy, or you know, tweak it for certain personas. What used to take hours now takes you know the seconds. So, also part of our strategy at a primo is cycle time. You know, being creating the ability to allow our customers, marketers to accelerate everything that they're doing. And so we saw it, it was ready. It was like, let's go. And it was, it was an exciting moment. It was an emotional moment at the company too, because we also looked at it as this being one of the biggest things, events, inflection points since like social media, whenever we saw that pop or any of those big sort of disruptive things that were now uh, hitting the world. And like anything, we saw the wave coming 
there's a tsunami, you know, that that's moving all around us. And we just got up on top of that wave and we're riding it. And it's, it's really exciting right now. So we're, I love it. And we're going to be talking a lot about change, but I don't think we can really do change justice from your point of view without understanding kind of your background and history at a primo. I've met a lot of marketers just in, in life and especially doing this show. And I'm not sure I have quite met another marketer with the career trajectory you have based on company changes and everything else. So I'd love for you to maybe give a little bit of background on just your time at a primo and kind of all the changes that have taken place. Yeah. My time at a primo, um, going into 17 years and that's kind of hard to say. Yeah. A primo, they were however many, you know, those many years ago, their product was disruptive. They pioneered, we pioneered product categories for marketing resource management. And I was in big four consulting at the time, previous to that nuclear energy of all things. And I was in uh, you know, decision support and big data, as mentioned, we didn't call it big data then, but they were looking for folks who could help organizations move through change and you know, a- apply their the products into their operating models. So uh, they needed that sort of heavy, you know, con- consultative, you know, approaches to to their customers, you know, financial services organizations, very large scale enterprise and some, you know, upper mid market at the time. Since then we've, you know, we've, our, our total addressable markets just widened and we, we can really get down into the, you know, smaller, uh, smaller size companies. But then, so I came in and I would like first thing Monday morning, fly out to a customer site and get on site and bed myself with them. You know, whether it was, you know, companies like Bank of America, who I spent a year of my life doing uh, transformative activities uh, with them, you know, getting into every team that it would touch, uh, understanding their as-is business, you know, visioning the 2B, and then putting together the roadmaps, activating the capabilities to, to get value from the platform. So I did that for quite a bit. And I worked with hundreds of companies in my consulting day, uh, consultative days as a, as a consultant and then moved into various roles uh, at a primo they used to grab me and put me in everything i'd be in sales motions i would be doing doing marketing they you know have me do presentations and thought leadership talks and things like that and then we were acquired in 2011 by a company who was a multi-billion dollar company so i got to see sort of like mergers and acquisitions happen and then go into a much larger company. And that turned into a billion dollar, uh, a set of billion dollar marketing applications that we then, uh, their business then got disrupted by Amazon and they had to get back to their core. They were in big data as well, data storage, et cetera. So they, we went through a process to spin those Aprimo assets back out. And I got to see uh, the divesting process happen. Then, you know, we launched back out again and the organization needed somebody who really understood the, the product, like inside and out, somebody that really understood customers, somebody that really understood users, somebody that really understood our market, somebody that really could overlay storytelling to get the brand back out there that could turn on demand gen capabilities from zero to a hundred. So I was asked to lead the marketing organization and I've been doing so for um, you know six and a half years now as we speak and have you know, really been able to then take the current company through, I'll call it three iterations of a business from 
uh, initial launch and then to getting you know the the unit economics of the company in terms of enterprise value, customer acquisition cost, EBITDA, you know, all of the things that are like the healthy SaaS metrics, you know, get that going again. And uh, we had to launch a new company, a product and a brand. And we did all those things. Then we got really healthy and it was time to scale. And then that was another, you know, chapter of the Aprimo story, the, the scale story. And yeah, it's been really exciting, a wild ride. Again, I look back at the years that we've been doing this and what we do has been, you know, inelastic to whatever it may be, whether it was, you know, we went, we were successful through financial crisis, you know, successful through human crisis, whatever we're experiencing now, you know, (laughs) but uh, the idea is that, you know, it's a place where it solves problems that are always needing. And then good companies can adapt to the changes. We're really good here at being in touch with the market, buying trends. And then just like, you know, when we saw content convergence happening, you know, we were able to move the business. But what's cool about it is it's always fit the strategy in our mission and vision many years ago. So I think one of the things that made us wildly successful is sticking to your mission and, you know, not losing it through some of the possible distractions that are out there. Yeah, super strong leadership team, just an amazing company. You know, the culture here as well, it's it's phenomenal. It's like not every company gets to feel like everybody's rowing the boat consistently and in a rhythm. I think that that culture speaks volumes for for us. Yeah, I've been super, I'll call it engaged. Folks ask me like, Ed, you're a marketer. You've been with a company for 17 years. I'm like, it's not been the same company for 17 years. The, the problem has been that we solve has been relatively similar. It changes. But yeah, I think I've been growing. And even since taking on the CMO role, it's just continuous growth. Like you're never done. <laughs> You know, continuous learning, I think, is one of the things that I've adopted. And and even when I got into marketing, like, and I decided to make the marketing thing my my personal problem, got out of consulting and, you know, may, owned the, the problem because you're never done learning, growing uh, with, you know, the growth mindset in mind. So I needed to have that in, you know, my personal c- career, needed to have that at the company that I'm at. It's just been continuous growth. There's so much there that we could dig into. And I think one thing that stands out to me is just like your consulting background. And what I I heard a lot from you there, and it's like, there's this narrative that we see when we open up our LinkedIn feeds and it's about marketers. And it's always like, marketers need to talk to more customers. Marketers need to get closer to customers. And in hearing your story about getting on a plane, flying out, during mm-hmm. your first days when you were a consultant, consultant, like how important was that experience into impacting just the way you thought about the business and then obviously evolving into the chief marketing officer at Aprimo? Yeah. I remember walking up the steps, coming back home from my first job out of college, which was in nuclear energy. And I felt it was mundane. And I love the idea of getting on the road you know, seeing the world, seeing different people interacting, man. And I, I miss those days today, like, cause you know, the, the amount of travel is gone, but I love a lot of, you know, my, my family was in medical fields. So they had patients. My father was an attorney, so he had clients and he had to assume their problems. I think that is what I really gravitated towards. So this idea of problem solving, and they're not your problems. They're, they're other, you know, they're other 
assumed problems from folks, uh, the strategic thinking uh, element to it, being client focused in how you're doing it, ultra collaborative in that, and then getting back to that continuous learning piece. I think if you do those five things well as a consultant, you're doing the right thing for your your customers. And um, yeah, I've, I've applied that too uh, as a marketer, whether I'm dealing externally to the company or internally to get stuff done. You know, if I have ideas and I need to move them forward. Um, also, there's there's something that I see some of the best consultants or best marketers or just business people do, and that's it's the word confront. If you're willing, and not everybody's willing to confront problems and have a hard conversation, they see them. There's like, oh, I see all these ten problems, but nah, I don't want to burn the political capital, or oh, that's too hard, or I don't want to get into a an argument about it. That those who are able to con- identify first and then confront problems professionally, establish an environment of intellectual honesty first, attacking ideas, not people. When I say attack, I mean confront ideas, you know, not people. I think that is like an ultimate, I'll use it for my podcast, cheat code in that consultative approach. And then then pulling that through, there's a through line there into, into marketing and and then even growing a business. Whenever we saw the opportunity to, to bring in ChatGTP, uh, GPT, that integration, and we saw that happen, we confronted it and we debated that. And I think that uh, that's, that's a very meaningful quality to have. And it's like, wake up every day, understanding what is that big thing you're going to confront, whether that's personally in your, you know, in your life or in your, your personal task in business and or across the organization with your company and or with clients, it's confronting it and uh, applying the right kind of pressure at the right pulse to drive the change you're looking for. I think the word confrontational as a descriptor often has negative connotations, but in the spirit of how you described it, it makes a lot of sense. And I think it, it comes down to have it being great at communicating. And one thing that I picked up on from chatting with you is that like you're a storyteller and probably a, whether it's externally or internally. So maybe like when we're talking about confronting or we're talking about change, maybe talk about the role of storytelling and how you apply that in your communication. Storytelling is a, it is a superpower if, if you can get it right. Um, I had a, I mean, we were just, as humans, you go back to the human level, like we're used to communicating face-to-face like this and making eye contact and, you know, non-verbal and just story has been in cultures of the past, you know, written on walls, cave walls, et cetera, you know, found in old documents. And it's how our brains are, have been developing, wiring themselves for thousands of years. And it's extremely powerful now. And I looked at story I was actually put through and I was given the gift of being trained by some pretty amazing storytellers, ones who actually work with Hollywood screenwriters. One of the things that they do and one of the big things about story is and when you could put emotion into commercial story, let's, let's call it commercial storytelling now, you know, commercial storytelling, applying story to uh, to business and commercial outcomes. When you can bring in... When, emotional elements, you're really going to connect with people. How do you do that? You actually put a core character in the middle of that story, you know, and they'll go through a storytelling framework, you know, the hero's journey as an example, or a very simplified, 
you know, beginning struggle, tipping point, new beginning, right? Somebody who went through that journey and you can put a person, an individual who has human traits, you can humanize your storytelling and then you can really open up, you know, the hearts and minds and hit on the rational and emotional side of the brain to drive whatever it is you're trying to, whatever it is your outcome, whether it's your brand story, whether it's you're doing a sales pitch, whether you're just trying to communicate something like a day in the life of a designer leveraging generative AI and what they would do and how they would, you know, change the way that they brainstorm and prompt generative AI and uh, sort of whisper to the prompts to get what they're looking for. You put the human at the center, you can attach emotion to it. And then you get back to everybody's when you're storytelling, looking for authenticity there, you know, everybody's got the, the BS meter in there too. But if you can apply, you know, storytelling to business, uh, that's an extreme superpower, whether that be, you know, we've gone through lots of uh, training sessions too, with, with that, like commercial insights with like challenger as an example, and, um, you know, reframing folks and you take them, you know, uh, rational drowning. And, you know, then you pull in emotions. It's like the timing of it, the sequencing of it, super important. Uh, if you do those things, uh, focus on who the benefits for who you're speaking to, right? Cause you got to teach Taylor, take control. You, you're going to have to navigate your story based on the audience. You know, if the audience is there to listen to country music and you're playing heavy metal music, you're not matching up. Right. But it, if you want, if you've got an audience that wants a horror film, but you're rom-com in them, you know, it's not going to match. You really got to know the context of what they want and apply it. So it's like, you've got to gauge and just knowing your audience with the story is uh, super important. So you, uh, you mentioned kind of this three phases that the business has been in just in the rebuild mode. And I would imagine like storytelling has been a component in that. And one of the questions in our pre-call that you you mentioned was like, who do we want to be? So I'm curious, like attacking that question from the CMO perspective and like doing it with stories, getting your team on board, getting them to tell stories, getting external, your future customers on board, getting them to buy into the story. Like talk a little bit about just how you navigated that. Yeah. So we got very as a company introspective, because we were given the opportunity to take this thing in any direction, right? That was commercially viable and met the objectives that we set out, you know, our, our board of directors, they were all, you know, coming to us too for guidance, advice of where we go. We got very introspective. I did a ton of market research. You know, that's that's that point in time where you really invest in my my title at the time was not chief marketing officer. It was chief markets officer at that time. And it's really understanding what's the, what are the problems we want to solve? How big is the market for the problems we want to solve? Getting back to our core, who, who are we? So we had to reestablish that identity to ourselves and like stamp it in. And when you're doing that, you're, you're dealing with lots of stakeholders. And how you do that is through story. Uh, you have to bring folks through a you know a beginning, a middle journey, and and let them know where you're going. And then you have to pull them back. It's like Theseus and the Minotaur. And you know Theseus went through the maze, and the Minotaur was in there, the big monster, right? You had to go through the cave and then go defeat defeat him, and then come bring it back. You have to do that same thing with story. We had to do that with all the things that we were doing. So whether that be market research identification of our total addressable market, 
understand the the problems we want to solve for the industries that it was core for uh, the countries, the regions, the countries. Where do we want to have a presence? So all of that, the total addressable market work was super important. And what was interesting for us is whenever we did that process, we had an amazing set of customers. And so we just got super immersive in it. Our chief product officer, Kevin, at the time, he was a chief product officer, but he was on the road like every week meeting with customers. And I would I would go as well. And But you know, going, embedding yourself, getting in the meeting, finding out the actual you know folks who get value from what you do, hearing their stories, collecting those stories, aggregating those stories, playing those stories back to your stakeholders is what attaches and humanizes your commercial direction. And then you know you've got to have the the data to support it. And then, you know, launching of the brand, you know, we know that Aprimo was out of the market for several years. What we found out is that folks loved the brand and we didn't want to take that away. We wanted to have a brand that reflected them. And so we listened to them and, you know, we, we came back out as Primo. I had to turn on the uh, demand gen engine, the brand awareness engine, and did that through and, and you know picked content to do that content and story and, and video and that's been a, a major piece to our growth to, to get to our uh, getting that inbound engine going again, uh, which is one of the most economical ways to generate pipeline for your sales organization to grow to get the ARR that we need for for the company. And we do that through story. Storytelling has just been like the common element for all of those things and. Um, yeah, I just, you know, I was actually like several years ago walking through an airport and saw a book. It was How to Rehumanize Your Business. And I was like, all these things, it was written by Ethan Butte and uh, the guys at, at BombBomb. And I uh, looked at that book and I was pretty close to not making my flight, but I, I went and bought the book anyway. I was flying out to, uh, to Napa for a marketing conference and, uh, uh, picked it up, read it uh, cover to cover, and I was like, "Wow, this is this is it." And so, that book was wildly inspiring storytelling, rehumanizing the business. So at that point, I was like, dead set on rehumanizing every aspect and touch point of our business. Oh, and I'm sorry, I've got to call it. Steve Passanelli was the other author on that book. Those guys are great. Yeah, uh, I'll shout. I'll shout out Ethan, former uh, guest on Modern Day Marketer. So I've talked oh, to him geez. about that. So he's he's <laughs> he's fantastic. I love love the call out. I yeah. want to maybe cl- close it out with this. Uh, we're in this mode right now where we as marketers know storytelling is important. We're fo- we're focusing in on brand oriented activities like doing podcasts like this, creating content. I think right now, based on the climate, like the conversion and being really good at taking all of these stories, taking all of these pieces of content and converting them over to actual sales pipeline is probably more critical now than ever before, just based on the climate. So maybe you touched on it a little bit there, but maybe talk a little bit about like, how is a CMO you think about like the balance between kind of brand oriented activities and demand oriented activities? They're interwoven. You've got to have them working together. They're like a magnet, right? There's two sides of the magnet. They've got to, so brand awareness, right? Drives demand. Demand reinforces the brand messaging. 
brain identifies and shapes the demand gen tactics, how you're going to create the intent for the buyers, you know, buying intent and move them from passive to active buying. And then, you know, that whole thing generates the customer experience that generates the loyalty and retention. And so it is absolutely a balance. You cannot have, have an imbalance in there. And so that's what I've done, you know, with my team, those, uh, those teams work daily together. It's not like we've got a, a brand silo and a demand gen silo. Those, those things, like I said, are interwoven and you're generating a force that generates an outcome. And then you've got to go grab that outcome, add value to it, which generates another force that moves your, your brand demand equation uh, forward. So yeah, you've got to have you know, your finger on, of the balance, find, find the right you know, aspects of it that you need to drive the commercial outcomes. And some, I think a lot of times as like the CMO at the wheel, you're, you can find yourself going too far in one direction. You know, you're like, oh, where's our pipeline? All right, let's put everything on demand. Let's let's spin up some more demand gen tactics. Let's get higher volume campaigns in market. All right. Well, they like our buyers like to buy from brands they know. So even if you expend all that customer acquisition costs to get there, to get in the deal, uh, who's this brand? I don't trust them. So it's like, you got to go out, you got to have the trust going too. And then you're, you're kind of like back to the, you know, to the brand side of the road. You're constantly at the wheel as the CMO. Uh, you're constantly listening to what's going on, finger on the pulse, looking at the data. Yes. But then what's the qualitative story associated with it? Those things are interwoven and you've got to you know, keep your hands on that, on that steering wheel and know when to go left, when to go right, when to keep it right in the middle. Ed Briault, Chief Marketing Officer at Aprimo. This is one that I think you'll have to listen to a couple of times. So much good content and perspective. Ed, really appreciate you sharing uh, your experience and knowledge. Um, we'll have to do this again. Thanks, Brett. Man, I really enjoyed that conversation with Ed. I think it is really important to think about finding the balance between brand and demand activities, how to think about rebuilding and positioning around a new company, the role of stories. There is so much meat on that bone. We'll have to get Ed back. Love what they are doing at Aprimo. We'll be back next week with more Modern Day Marketer, like always. But until then, take care of yourself, take care of others around you, and we will talk to you very soon.